Hi, this is Jenna. And this is Kelly. And you're listening to ODFM. This episode is one deserved it from murder. So before you send me hate mail, you gotta <laughs> listen to the gotta listen to the entire episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you judge, because you might agree. Right, and then yeah. you're gonna address that to Kelly. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Not Jenna at right, right. I'm I'm hearing this at the same time you guys are. So mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. letting you know. We'll see. It could have been other things, but it's like, oh god, this is my chance. Deserved <laughs> it. Sometimes you have to. I'm. Yeah. Sometimes you have to. You'll see. You'll see. Wait till the end of the story. Okay. I can't wait. So this is the story of Ken McElroy. Ken was born in 1934 as the 15th of 16 kids. Damn. (laughs) This poor woman's vagina and uterus. It's not a clown car. (laughs) God. (laughs) They just keep coming out. Right? (laughs) Oh, it's not a clown car. Fifteen. Oh God, 15. Was he even the baby? No, there were sixteen kids. Good God! He was. He was number fifteen out of sixteen. By the end, they just fall out. They just don't even <laughs> it's true. Out. I mean, whoa! I've only had two, and they were starting to fall out. I can't imagine. <laughs> Do I even have a uterus? There it is. Oh God! Okay, fifteen. Fifteenth of sixteen. So he was born to poor migrant sharecropping parents. I mean, of all the people that you wish could have gotten birth control. I mean, it's 1934. They didn't have it, but. I know, but honestly, uh, I, mean, I don't care if you worked on Wall Street. When you have 15 kids, you're poor. You're going like, to be poor. I don't know, I know what you can do to no. support that. And sharecropping. That's what my uh, grandma's, well, great grandparents did. And you don't make money. You get to share the crops, literally. Like, so you sell the crops. You, you live on the land. You do all the farming, and you live there for free. But that's it. So, <laughs> so what, what happens it's not a good when deal. like babies like twelve, thirteen, and fourteen aren't old enough to eat the crops? Ooh, how do you how? Yeah, what? I good question. Milk, milk from the boobies because she has been having all the babies for how many she years? She only has the two, and there's <laughs> multiple. <laughs> Maybe she grew more teats. <laughs> Again, she's not a cow. Like, what the hell? Well, okay, how do I increase my udder? Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So at age 15, Ken dropped out of the eighth grade and quickly began a life of delinquency in Skidmore, Missouri. Why was he still in eighth grade at 15? <laughs> I, good. I, I noticed that as well. And I was like, wow, because my 14-year-old's going and he's going to be a freshman. So... Did he... Did he drop out or was he asked to not come back? May, it could have been. Could have been either okay. or and right. both. Yes. Okay. Never mind. All right. Instead of leaving school and finding a job, he started hunting raccoons. And I'm not sure <laughs> if that's for food or to sell. Maybe he's maybe getting like raccoon hats. Okay. I don't that's know. That's a way to go, I guess. It was a weird detail and it was included in all the news reports. So I was like, okay, okay. Um, I'm going to quit school to become a raccoon hunter. Thank you. I didn't know that was a career. Okay. <laughs> he created it. 
So his life then started becoming filled with petty crimes because what do you do? You've got an eighth grade education. And apparently you can't live off coon hats. Coon hats do not (laughs) sell well. I mean, he didn't travel to enough fairs or something. I don't know. So he created a job for himself as a cattle wrestler and a small time thief. So cattle wrestling meaning stealing other people's cattle and selling them. Good God. I know this I guy. I he wasn't wearing his telltale hat, so that they knew yeah, it was so him. they didn't know it was him. At least, so it was incognito. this guy was wearing a raccoon hat. Oh yeah, we know who you're talking about, Johnny Ron Appleseed. Will. Oh wait, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but his crimes grew increasingly more severe, and over the next twenty years, Ken was the prime suspect in items that would go missing in the community, like grain, gasoline, alcohol, antiques, and livestock. These are all, this, this isn't stuff you can just throw in your pocket. This is yeah, some, no. They're these are big empty. items. Yeah, they're not small. So the town of Skidmore, which sits in the no- northwest corner of Missouri, has a population of about 440 people. This was in 1981 that it had that population. Wow. All of those people knew very well who Ken McElroy was. He was touted as the town bully. So Jeez. he's a fun guy. He's a very large man, six feet tall and about 270 to 300 pounds. Whoa. Not a small guy with bushy sideburns and cold eyes who always carried a gun and plenty of money, even though he rarely worked. And he was just as mean as he looked. Dang. Yeah. Life skills. Life skills. (laughs) (laughs) Ken somehow stole hearts as well. He had four wives. I know. I know. Because he's such a dickhead. I mean, you were just checking off all the Prince Charming boxes right. there. <laughs> I mean, all the things every woman wants. Damn. But somehow, in Podunk, Skidmore, Missouri, and the the name of the town even, Skidmore. You know, it just it so close like to Skid movie. Row. It, it does. It does. Oh, and this whole story sounds like a made-up movie, but it's not. Oh, God. Okay. So he somehow stole hearts. He had four wives and more than ten children. Holy crap. No. He's like, this is what the pirates did. He convinced four different women Mm -hmm. to marry him Mm -hmm. and procreate. I'm, yeah, I'm impressed, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? This guy. It it doesn't sound like he was particularly charming when you hear more about him. But. Okay. Okay. So at one point, he's married to a wife named Alice. He meets this girl named Trina McLeod. When she's 12 and in the eighth grade. 12, by the way. 12. Keep that in your mind. He couldn't help himself when it came to young girls. Oh, God. He was impressed by the fact that she was able to be in the eighth grade and only be 12 because he was 15. <laughs> That's what it was. He's he was like, like, you are so you smart. You are smart. <laughs> oh, my God. It's funny because I was telling my son about this story and I was like, he was into this 12-year-old and my son's like, ew. And he's 14. <laughs> So even to him, 12 <laughs> sounded way that's, too young. That's a little too immature for even me, Mom. Yeah. I mean. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> Perspective. Exactly. He's like, oof. So obviously Ken wasn't known for his fidelity. <laughs> He's known for a lot of things, and that's but not But fidelity one of them. is not one of them. Yeah. He had many affairs during his marriages, both to Alice and his first wife, Sharon. And when the women would bring up an issue with his cheating, he would beat and torture them into submission. And then they quickly learned not to bring up anything that might anger him. Again, how is he getting these women? 
Mm. He's just wait. awful. Whew. So yeah, when one of them would go into town with bruises, split lips, or even broken bones, the townspeople didn't have to guess how they had gotten them. They all knew what was going on. It's a small town. But nobody could do but anything. But no one does anything or says anything. Right? Mm-hmm. As for Trina, ooh, Ken would follow her. So 12-year-old Trina, Ken would follow her bus in his pickup truck. When he would catch up to the bus, he'd honk his horn, drive up to the driver's side window, get the bus driver to pull over, and when the bus would pull over, he would demand the door be opened and let Trina out. So for the safety of himself and all the other kids on the bus, the driver would comply. What the I know! I'm so confused, but I really think this actual town didn't have a police force, is what it sounded like, because it's so small. Oh my god. <sighs> yeah. Oh my god, I'm disturbing. so right now. It's disturbing. He just, he's not even letting her get off the bus. No, no. He steals her off the bus, basically. Oh my god, and, and they're letting him. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. nobody wants to confront They're him. all afraid of wow. him. So Ken statutorily raped Trina repeatedly. She became pregnant when she was 14 and dropped out of the ninth grade. So by this time in his life, Ken had continuously gotten away with his crimes. Though arrest and criminal charges were common for him, conviction or punishment never seemed to actually befall him. What the hell? I know. So it's not like he's slick in any way, but he relied on witness intimidation to get out of trouble. Oh my gosh. (laughs) dickhead he would sit outside of a witness's home and stare for hours always armed and often displaying his weapon where the witnesses could see it oh my god i know intimidation like he should be arrested you know oh my god nothing's happening wow he's a piece of work okay so ken told his wife alice you know what trina's coming to live with us (laughs) hey babe i got another babe she's coming to live with us Oh, and then she's going to, guess what? She could help us with the kids, but she's Mm. also about to have Oh, yeah, by the way, yep, she's pregnant. that's mine. Mm -hmm. Oh! So when Trina's parents resisted letting their child go live with her rapist, Ken burned down their house and (gasps) shot their dog before they finally gave up and let her go with him. Burned down the freaking house and shot their dog. down there. Right, and then Mm -hmm. then she's, she went with them. Oh, my God. She went with them. But just 16 days after giving birth, Trina and Alice together, so his wife and Trina, ran to Trina's parents' house. They tried to escape. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, they tried to escape together, of all things. Like, Alice wasn't pissed at Trina. She knew. Wow. But Ken was easily able to track the two down. He beat them both severely and brought them back to his house. Oh, my God. He then returned to Trina's family home when the parents were away and once again shot their other or possibly new dog, or maybe the same dog lived, shot it again, (laughs) and again burned their new house down. Oh, for the love of God. Okay. And Trina had to be hospitalized because of her injuries after the beatings. Wow. So the doctor was so shocked at the beatings she had taken that family services was called, and she and her baby- Finally. Finally. At this point, I was like- does that exist? Eighties, <laughs> apparently it did, but you know, oh finally God. she was. They were called, and she and her baby were taken into foster custody. Thank God. <laughs> and hopefully, she didn't get a dog because right. <laughs> he obviously has no qualms about shooting dogs no. or burning houses down. Nope. So people, 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 
<laughs> Reminded me of Fraggle Rock for some reason. I don't know. Like those little guys? Yes. yes. Dozers or whatever? Do, I, what were they called? I don't remember. But I, I don't know. <laughs> that definitely sounded like a... People. <laughs> people described him as very cunning, and he knew which people to pick on. He followed through on his threats just enough to make people believe he'd do whatever he promised. He had something of a legendary reputation, which kind of became bigger than it actually was. So, like, the stories that would spread about him would become bigger and bigger, you know? like These are the... You're actually telling me the actual stories are right. pretty awful. And so. they're pretty freaking awful. So you can yeah. imagine the ones that people are hearing. They're like, I'm not fucking with that guy. Oh, my God. So in June of 1973, so it's the 70s. Okay. Ken was indicted for arson, assault, and statutory rape. Oh, my God. Finally. Finally. Someone did something. He's arrested and eventually released on $2,500 bail. Released? Mm -hmm. Bail? What? Oh, no biggie. I'm sure he's not a flight risk. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) Actually, he's not. He's just a dick risk. So. (laughs) a dick risk. (laughs) He totally is. (laughs) Within a day of making bail, Ken went looking for Trina. So when he found where she was staying, he used his often successful tactic of intimidation. He sat outside the foster family's house, brandishing his shotgun and stared for hours at the home and the people inside. I hope they didn't have a dog. Tell me they didn't have a dog. I, I didn't hear anything about a dog, thankfully. <sighs> right? The four fucking dogs. I know. Stop killing all the dogs. Stop killing the dogs. They didn't do anything. So he told the foster family, you know what? I know where your biological daughter goes to school and what bus route she takes. Oh, my so God. So I'll get her. <gasps> and then we'll be, I'd be willing to trade your girl for my girl, basically. Yeah. Oh, shit. What a fucker. Yeah, so they're scared shitless. <sighs> so he also hires at this time Richard McFadden, a well-known and well-respected criminal defense attorney, defense attorney, from the Kansas City area. The lawyer created delay after delay to prevent oh the case from going to trial. But that was perfect for Ken because time was all he needed, and eventually his tactic works on the foster home people. So Trina gets tired of being at the foster house and all the rules that she had to follow. Right. She's a teen. I mean, a young teen. Mm -hmm. So she runs away and back to the abusive arms of Ken. Oh, God. I know. I thought you were going to tell me that he found her. But the fact that she went there unwillingly. Yeah. I I think I wonder, too, if she was like, I can't stand all the things he's doing to this family. Right. And it's my fault. So I better just leave. Which it wasn't her fault, but... No, but oh this guy's such a fucker. So with the charges still looming over him, Ken knew he needed to act fast. He divorced Alice, then drove Tina to Kansas and married her to avoid being convicted on the statutory rape charge. Oh my god. I know. He's diabolical. He's awful. So the other charges against him would also be dropped as the case was impossible to prove without Alice or Trina testifying, which they were both refusing to do because they knew they would probably be killed by Ken. Oh my god. But Ken didn't just terrorize those close to him. He spread the wealth of his abuse to the community as well. Uh, he's a he's giver. He's into the community too. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> oh, he likes to share. He's a sharing, giving kind of guy. I'll share my terror with everybody. Oh. So Romaine Henry, a Skidmore resident and farmer, heard from one of his workers that someone was on his property shooting a gun. So Romaine goes and drives down the gravel road abutting his property 
and comes upon a person he recognized immediately. Ken McElroy. As the truck approached, Ken turns his shotgun toward it. So Henry stops the truck, opens the passenger window to talk with Ken, and Ken promptly goes, You son of a bitch. You've been at my house in a white Pontiac. You're a dirty son of a bitch. And Um, Romaine's like, Yo, I don't even own a car like that. Ken's like, you lying son of a bitch, and he pulls the trigger on his shotgun. <gasps> so the shot rips through Romaine's stomach, peeling open the right side of his body. Oh, God. And at this point, Romaine's losing consciousness with his entrails falling into his lap. Oh. oh the oh, last boy. thing he saw before passing out was Ken walking back to his truck, pulling out a cigarette from his shirt pocket, and lighting it casually like one would do as an afterthought after having a good meal. He then gets in his truck and drives away without a care in the world. What a guy. Holy hell. Okay. Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released, and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you're able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. In fact, every time I travel, it gets exhausting through the airport because you're like toting different things. You got bags slung over your back. It's a pain in the ass. This is amazing because they literally hook up together so you can even have like a train of bags and pull it all by yourself without anyone else helping. So we are teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10, that's P-O-D-1-0, or going to the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on, time to get going. So by some miracle, Robain Henry, Henry lived. Wow. However, he wasn't going to escape Ken's torment. Ken stopped him and threatened him mercilessly because he had pressed charges. Well, if he he pressed charges, how was he able to get to him? Oh, my God. Failure, failures of the police department, I'm swearing to God. Anyway. This is the worst police department. The worst. I think they had, yeah, I think they only had the county sheriffs and not like a local police, but. Oh my God. And they had Barney Fife? Basically. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Before (laughs) trial, Barney, before (laughs) trial, as the case dragged on without a court date, Henry claimed that McElroy, well, Ken McElroy parked outside of his home at least 100 times before the trial. Romaine wasn't going to back down so easily, though. He appeared at trial, even testifying against Ken in the assault with attempt to kill trial. Wow. However, Ken was once again able to walk away from justice. (laughs) I know. He lived. He witnessed his own shooting. He knew who shot him. Mm -hmm. But at trial, two fellow coon hunters testified that Ken was with them that day, far, far away in another part of the county. So there's no way he could have been the culprit. So I'm sure he bullied these guys into perjuring themselves just to get himself out of it because they didn't want to risk his torment either. 
So well, they're like, you know, yeah. People who wear raccoon hats. I mean, it's a tight knit group. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they really watch out for each other. It's really. It's a it's a tight. It's like a yes. brotherhood, really. It's a brotherhood, really. It's a fraternity, <laughs> the fraternal order of raccoon hats. <laughs> they have to make raccoon calls when they greet each other. You know, <laughs> what does that sound like? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so during trial, Romaine's own petty criminal conviction was discovered from thirty years before. So this. Okay, but here's a guy with a rap sheet longer than Santa's list. Yeah, exactly. And this is like petty crimes. Oh, yeah. 30 years ago, you stole something or who a knows. A candy bar from the right. gas bar. station and you were 12. I don't know. Between this and the coon hunting alibi, the town bully was once again acquitted. you got to be kidding mm-hmm. me. I know. He just keeps – so he feels invincible. He's like, nobody right. can get me. What? Right. At this point, Ken had menaced the townspeople of Skidmore for over a decade, and it seemed he would just continue to get away with it. All told, Ken had faced felony charges 21 times without any convictions. None. Okay. Do, do his previous arrests and things not ever come to play? I mean, after a while, don't you just have to play the odds and go, he probably did this. He <laughs> probably put him in jail. We should probably do something before it gets out of control. Nope. Apparently not. He had been charged with arson, assault, cattle rustling, child molestation, and statutory rape. I mean, not These are tiny things, right? His lawyer later recalled that he typically defended Ken in three to four felonies a year. That's well paid. (laughs) You probably didn't need any other clients. (laughs) He's like, like, I'll just be Ken's lawyer. He's amazing. Damn. I how did he sleep with? I almost said, how did he sleep with himself? <laughs> how does one sleep with oneself? <laughs> how did he sleep? In? I mean, I totally get that somebody has to defend people. It's part of our mm-hmm. justice system to make sure it all works and stuff. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, you might pass that one off to a, a lesser, right? A and lesser then, lawyer, so, so that, that you can sleep with yourself that night. <laughs> <laughs> hey baby, what you doing? I'm I'm tired. I have a headache. <laughs> oh god. Often witnesses to the crimes changed their mind about testifying before trials began, and if any of the cases did make it to trial, a juror might expect to open their mailbox to find a rattlesnake. Oh shit. <laughs> That's bad. I mean, he was totally terrorizing everybody. You're starting to make me second jump. Second guess this whole I've been called for jury duty thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want any rail snakes in my mailbox. No, I don't. I, I, hopefully, people can't get away with sh- this shit anymore. But I hope not. The mere mention of his name was enough to cause anxiety in the locals, and parents often steered their daughters to the other side of the street if they noticed him in town. Uh, yeah, he's a fucking molester, disgusting <gasps> pedophile. In 1980, one of Ken's kids got into an argument with a clerk at a grocery store owned by 70-year-old Ernest Bo Bowenkamp. So he goes by Bo. Bo, okay. And his wife, Lois. Bo and Low. Low. Low and Bo and Low. What up, Bo Low? Oh. <laughs> Ooh, <there you> <laughs> they even have a, a necklace named after them. <laughs> Bo Low. Allegedly, the kid had tried to steal some candy. I have no idea where he would have get, gotten that from. I mean, yeah, I mean, he didn't learn anything from dad. So then 
Ken began his usual ploy of stalking and harassing the Bowen camps. He but would. What's just it, over a candy bar? <laughs> it was even like a little piece of candy. It wasn't oh, even come a big deal. But he was so mad, he would leer at them from his pickup outside their house, sometimes even firing his shotgun in the air just to scare them. Wow. And eventually, Ken came upon 70-year-old Bo. Don't forget, this isn't some young guy. Oh, my God. While he's on the loading dock behind his store, with Ken with, came in with his shotgun in hand, like he always did. During the confrontation, Ken shot Bo in the <gasps> neck. Whoa. So somehow Bo too survived the attack. So he's not a good shot or I was something. just going to say, he's, he's a horrible person. He's, he's a, a terrible <laughs> shot. He's even worse of a shot. Eventually, somehow he survived and Ken was arrested. And David Baird, the newly appointed prosecuting attorney for now a day. No, not away county. Not away. Not, not away. away. <laughs> not away. I'm living there. <laughs> Not away County got the first ever conviction against Ken for assault. Oh, Finally. And they erected a, uh, a statue of him and... <laughs> like 20 somersaults. There was a parade. Oh, seriously. But somehow Ken was released on bond. Oh, for the love of God. So, of course, he just continues his campaign of hatred and harassments against the bone camps and anyone who sympathized with him. So, oh, you're friends with them? You have a problem with what I'm doing? I'm going to bring you in on the fun. Wow. Okay. So in the months before the trial, the Bowen camps went to bed scared to death that their last breath would be that night. Seriously? Yeah. They even slept in shifts with one family oh member God. keeping watch on the street. Oh, my God. They're in their 70s. This is it's insane. horrible. It's so unfair. There were many days Bo couldn't go out and mow or even water because Ken would just be sitting there outside the house with his gun threatening them. I mean, and he's already proven he'll do it. He's already shot He already once. shot, exactly. So they're like, I'm not going out there. Freaking guy will shoot me. And get this, Ken was known to pay local kids for information about who was where in town. So the Bowen camps created their own network of informants. This is ridiculous. This is how oh they had to... Oh, my God. So they have all these kids running around as <laughs> yeah. informants. As informants. I'm going to deliver a message for so-and-so just to keep themselves safe. This is crazy. So they delivered messages in code. One time, one of the owners of the D&G Tavern sent her kids to the grocery store for paper towels, which meant the bone camp should call the police because Ken was in town and causing trouble. So the kids had no clue what they were doing. They were like, okay, go get some towels. Right. It yeah. was a sign oh to go call the police. <laughs> so Ken showed up at the local bar, the TNG Tavern, one day with an M1 Garand rifle that had a bayonet attached. What? <laughs> it was the standard service what? issue for, for World War II. Okay, but... <laughs> the bayonet. But it's not. It's not World War II. It's it's it's... <laughs> We're in a public bar. We're in a bar. Oh, and he God. came in spouting threats. Well, no, spouting threats about his graphic plans for Bo Boeing Camp and what he would suffer and die for, having defied him. Oh my God! He Quick didn't do kids, anything. Go get some paper towels. Go get wow. more paper towels, really fast. Uh, there's rolls right there. Go get the towels. <laughs> Several bystanders at the bar began discussing what they could legally do to prevent Ken from harming Bo or anyone else anymore. 
do we even need to deal with the legally anymore at this right. point? Do we just take right. them They're out? all I still mean, trying to like follow the rules, but this dude's not following any rules and he's getting away with right. everything. So Right. Oh, but this is even better. The sheriff suggested they they do a neighborhood watch. The sheriff suggested a, a neighborhood watch. Did they put the little stickers in their windows like we had in the 80s? The little, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, neighborhood like that little, watch, that little guy that's, yeah, with right, the cape and hat. Because right, that's yeah. what bad guys look mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Right. They, they all French look like the bad guy from um, Inspector Gadget. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> so they're like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. What? <laughs> Our neighborhood watch consists of sending kids for paper towels. Right. We have to do things through um, code if we, because we this fucker will toilet kill us. paper, it means shit has already hit the fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's too Just late to yourself. He's already going to run and hide because Ken's in town. But Ken's good luck with the law persisted and his appeal hearing was delayed. Oh, God. With the whole Boeing camp thing. So the town marshal tried to appeal to Ken about his harassment. Like, please, Ken, just quit being a dick. But Ken pulls but a gun on him. Ask, did anyone just think of asking him to stop? Uh, apparently this guy did. <laughs> and when he did, Ken pulled a gun on him and he quit oh. his job. <laughs> this is a marshal. This was a town marshal. <laughs> like, uh, nope, I'm out. Yeah. They're going to need some officials with balls because this is insane. <laughs> this he quit. I'm out. Oh, I didn't know anyone was ever going to like. Take a shot at me. Someone's going to have a gun? I thought I had the gun. Wait. Nobody told me the bad guys had the guns, too. (laughs) Yeah. I give up. So the town took their complaints against the sheriff, or again to the sheriff, and he's frustrated and just told them, you know, if you have to shoot him, let us know and we'll come get him before he starts stinking. Oh, my God. So it's basically like, do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. Obviously, whatever we're doing is not working. We'll clean up the body afterwards. (laughs) Wow. I know. I don't know. Here's an idea. Maybe you could just arrest him. Yeah, maybe. And hold on to him. And maybe we could do something about this shit. Yeah, but apparently they couldn't. So on the morning of July 10th of 1981, townspeople met at the Legion Hall in the center of town with the sheriff again to discuss the problems with Ken and how to protect themselves. This is the whole town. The whole whole town's like, we cannot deal with this asshole anymore. What the hell can we do? This is insane. During that meeting, Ken went back to the D&G tavern, toting Trina along with him, his 14-year-old bride. Jesus. As he sat drinking at the bar, probably angrily drinking. Wondering where everybody was. Yeah, where is everybody? (laughs) Can someone freaking give me a drink before I shoot you? So word got back... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Poor Trina's like, I'm 12, what up? no, 14, I can't I be in a bar. I don't think I'm even supposed to be in here. <laughs> but while he's there, word gets back to the men at Legion Hall that Ken's in town. The sheriff warned the group not to get into a confrontation with Ken and reiterated the plan for a neighborhood watch program, <laughs> which is hilarious. Oh, my God. Soon... The sheriff's like, all right, I'm going to leave. So he leaves in his cruiser, and the town people decide to go to the tra- tavern en, ma- en masse. En masse? En masse. Yes, en masse. Like, All together. Like, like pitchforks and, like... Basically. You know? Tiki, tiki torches. Like, yeah, like Beauty and the Beast. We're like, <laughs> yes. let's kill the beast. And kill the beast. It. Gone. Hey, hey, hey. 
You know how we've told you about becoming a fan on Patreon? Yeah, you need to do it. The reason is we have a lot of mini-sodes coming out, a lot of extra bonus content, and your monthly support helps us keep going and doing the things we love, which is researching murder and talking about it and telling you about it. So if you're ready, go to patreon.com slash podcast to get started. Are you ready? Wow. Ready for more? I am ready. Find out about the angry crowd? Yeah. So the crowd gathered at the tavern, and it becomes such that the bar was so filled with people, it was jam-packed, nobody could move. <laughs> The entire town is there. The whole town is in the bar now. <sighs> After Ken finished his drinks, he's like, whoa, damn. What's happening tonight? It must Sprouted. be. Is, it, <laughs> is the rodeo happening? What's going on? So he finished his drinks. He bought a six-pack of beer. He left the bar and got in his pickup. Suddenly, shots rang out. But instead of Ken being the shooter, this time it was someone else. And Ken was now the target. Oh. <gasps> He was hit twice, once by a center fire rifle and once by a twenty-two rim fire rifle. <gasps> Trina was in the truck with him, but she wasn't struck. Oh, in, good. Okay. Uh, yeah. But in all, 46 potential witnesses were at the scene and witnessed the shooting, but not one of them called for an ambulance. <gasps> Only Trina said she could identify a shooter, but every other witness conveniently was unable to name a shooter or claim not to have seen who fired the guns. Wow, that's so odd. Weird. Like, there he got so shot. many witnesses, and I, gosh, I just don't know. I don't know who got him. That's oh. weird. I didn't see shit. So when troopers arrived back in town, the streets were empty and silent, except for the rumbling engine of Ken's truck. <gasps> His foot had fell on the accelerator when he was shot, causing the engine to run at full power, and no one bothered to shut it off. <gasps> Bye, you motherfucker. Oh my god. Everyone's done. They're so done with him. Oh, I can't believe they lasted that long, to be honest with you. I know. And that nobody calls the ambulance. Just Not even Trina. Uh, well, I don't blame her at all. <laughs> no, she's the one who gets the <laughs> shit of it. So after his death, the town gave a collective sigh of relief, obviously. Oh, this fucker is finally gone. Yeah. Peace drifted over the community, and the Bowen camps felt like they could begin living again. Oh, my God. Joyce, the Bowen camp's daughter, said it wasn't the kind of just justice they should have gotten. They had stood up to Ken and had done the right thing. They'd done what most wouldn't. They stood up to him and took him to court, but the police and courts kept failing everyone. Wow. Investigators found shell casings from the two weapons, but the guns were never recorded. Oh. <laughs> Don't know what happened. Oh, that's so weird. Covered. Where'd they go? <laughs> In oh. spite of a massive investigation, both by local and FBI, and the media oh. frenzy that happened, not one person in Skidmore ever or confessed to the killing or implicated anyone else in it. Trina included? Well, Trina did. Oh. Come on, Trina. The investigation didn't lead to any charges, and the DA didn't press charges, <laughs> which is kind of amazing. Well, they didn't do anything to Ken well, either, so. Right. So they just did their same MO. They just Yeah, they're like, eh, we'll just let you guys take care of that. Mm -hmm. So residents, in their usual plain-spoken manner, put the matter in simple terms. Ken needed killing like a gangrened leg needs to be removed to save the rest of the body. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we're gonna save our town. We better gotta get one of rid of the one guy who's making it unlivable. Oh my god! They said the law the law wasn't gonna take care of the problem, so the locals had to take care of it for themselves. So they did. Wow. In news interviews, Trina said she had told the grand jury who was responsible for murdering her husband, but still the panel didn't return an indictment. Well, it was all a jury of his peers who he had all pissed off. Probably. (laughs) They're like, no, bitch. Yeah. We don't care. He's dead, finally. The bitch is dead. So the prosecutor said he didn't press charges against anyone because you can't take cases to trial just to see what might happen. And they simply didn't have sufficient evidence to go to trial. That was a weird way to say it. Do they ever hold trials in this town? I mean, I feel no. like they just... They're like, trial by... Uh, oh my god. By your peers. I mean, I don't want them to try this one, but Ooh. like... Do they not have a courthouse? I mean, I feel like they do everything they can to not get to that point. Right. They're like, no, we're Wild West. We're, except it's Missouri. We're Wild South. I don't know. I keep picturing... Oh, God. What was that song? The Dixie Chicks, Earl Needs to Die. Yes. <laughs> That's what I that keep picturing. That is the... Oh, my God. That is the song for this. Oh, totally. Oh, my God. Ken Needs to Die. Yep. Wow. So people believe those who shot Ken probably saved lives. He oh, was yeah. spinning out of control, and the courts and police didn't have it, the ability to help, apparently. But, oh, God, this kind of grosses me out. Three years after Ken's murder, Trina filed a $6 million wrongful death suit against the town of Skidmore, the county, oh, and several other individuals, not. including local rancher Del Clement, who she identified as one of the shooters. But this is funny. The suit was settled out of court for a measly $17,600 without anyone admitting to any wrongdoing. (laughs) Good. Uh, She must have been brainwashed. I don't know. I feel bad for her because she was just a baby. But she, Trina, remarried and went on to live a pretty normal life and later died on her birthday in 2012 of cancer at the age of 55. Oh, wow. But I can't imagine her finding a guy who actually treated her well because she kind of grew up with this dickhead. Yeah, right? So Ken's murder and the silence of the townspeople was written up all across America. And in 1988, Harry McLean wrote the true crime book called In Broad Daylight about the case, which earned him the Edgar Award in 1989. The book was made into a TV movie by the same name, starring Brian Dennehy, Chris Cooper, and Marsha Gay Harden, which is so... Wow, that 80s, is so 90s. made for TV movies. TV, I probably yes. watched it. I probably did as well. <laughs> I probably watched it. So that is why I called it Deserved It. Oh my God. Yeah, no. Of that's, anyone that, who deserved to be murdered, I think it was this guy. That is a very appropriate name for this episode. I know it's terrible to think anyone deserves it, but this guy kept getting away with everything. He was almost getting away with murder. Oh, my God. Constantly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. That's appropriate. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. So if we get hate mail. You can send the hate mail to me, too, then. Nope. That's cool. I agree. She's sharing the hate. You're going to share the hate because this dude deserved it. Oh, my gosh. I know. What a dick. So, do you want to hear my sources? Uh, Yeah. So, the lineup.com. Wikipedia, of course. Patch.com. New York Times. And C-O-K- law.com it's s-e-o-k oh l-a-w.com yeah wow uh, interesting so there was a whole thing about like how could all these witnesses 
have seen something but didn't do anything and stayed quiet for so many years. And it's because this Honestly, that it. does not shock me. What mm-hmm. shocks me is that he kept getting away with shit over yeah, and over and that's over, way and worse. over and over. Yeah. Right? Like, Where the big story was always about, oh, all these people stayed quiet about this murder. It's like, you don't know what they went through. Right. How their friends go through and their whole community go through over one person. Seriously. Mm-hmm. And how I mean, the justice system failed and failed and failed over right. and over again. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. 21 felonies. 21. And never convicted until the one. Wow. And poor Trina and his wives. And his All wives. his wives. I still understand how he had so many wives. I think he forced and them to be his wife. Like you did women Trina. Women on the side. I just. Yeah. Damn. I think he forced them like he did Trina. He basically sure. forced her to be with him. She was probably afraid not to. I'm sorry. If you're waiting for your uh, love interest, if you're stalking the school bus for your love interest to get off the bus, you'd also better be in school. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. You should probably be close to that age. Exactly. Exactly. You should not have graduated. (laughs) Right. And that my 14 year old thinks a 12 year old is too young for him. Yeah, she's definitely um, too young for however old this guy was. I know. So gross. Poor little thing. And her poor parents. He kept burning down their house and killing their dogs. Killing their dogs. (sighs) Damn. Yeah, he was. He. Earl had to die. (laughs) Ken had to die. Sorry, Ken. You had to die. Damn. He was like the devil. Yeah. Oh my god! That I bet it was such a feeling insane. of relief to everyone. They're just like, finally, seriously. And she and was Trina fine. didn't get hit, so obviously yeah. these people knew how to shoot. Unlike <laughs> Ken, I, if he was such a bad shot, how did he get all those raccoon bats? Like, oh, good he... point. Maybe they were traps. <gasps> oh, maybe he cowardly traps. He had to trap okay them because he was cowardly. <laughs> he was a shit shot. He was a shit shot. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Right. All right. He deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Deserved it. Yep. <laughs> I, I I will agree with you. There were so many other names, but deserved it just was like, yeah, he did. No, I, I yeah. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> the one. I can't think of one murder. Better. No, it's the one murder. I'm like, yep, deserved it. I like it. Yeah. I like Thank it. Thank you. Got you out of your mind, hopefully, for a little bit. Yes, you did. To see images from this story, Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ODFM Podcast, or on our website at odfmpodcast.com, where you'll also find a link to our merch store, where you can get awesome stuff like t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and more. And if the weekly podcast just isn't enough to fill your ODFM cup full, join our fan club on Patreon for more content like minisodes, bloopers, and discounts at our merch store. That site is patreon.com slash ODFM podcast. And if you do love our bloopers and need more than we naturally do, which is a lot, buy us a glass of wine at buymeacoffee.com slash ODFM podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of ODFM hosted by Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson. Production and editing by Kelly DeVries. Theme music by Eric Swanson. ODFM is a satirical true crime podcast for entertainment purposes only. The stories you hear are serious and true. The comments and opinions are not. We apologize if any of our content is harmful or disrespectful. Mm-hmm.